This is Top Floor Episode 70. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 70. Welcome to Top Floor with Susan Berry. This weekly podcast ride up to the top floor features tangible tips and excellent stories from the experts and characters who elevate hospitality. And now your host and elevator operator, Susan Berry. Welcome to the show. When Emmanuel Guisset moved from Belgium to San Jose, California, he envisioned sun, sand, and palm trees. The reality, including spending many nights on the road traveling for business, left a lot to be desired. Emmanuel found the California lifestyle he had dreamed about by moving to Santa Cruz, but it was missing a community of like-minded professionals. After trying out startup life and skyrocketing rents in San Francisco, Emmanuel had the idea for what was then called the Surf Office Santa Cruz, a large villa with strong Wi-Fi and dedicated workspace that would help him create the lifestyle he had been searching for. More than 50 properties in 10 countries later, Emmanuel is CEO of Outsight, a lodging concept devoted to the work-from-anywhere digital nomad. Today, we are going to talk about mixing work, play, and community. But before we do, we need to answer the call button. The emergency call button is our hotline for hospitality professionals and just about anybody who has just about any kind of question. If you would like to submit a question, you can call or text me at 850-404-9630. Today's question was submitted by Simone. She says, I can work from anywhere, but I'm nervous about trying a longer trip to another country. Are there legal restrictions I should be aware of, such as visas? How do I get started? You are the perfect person to ask this question to because I know you've done it and you have lots of good advice. What do you think, Emmanuel? Yeah, that's a true question. And that's something we get a lot. Uh, it really depends on the country you want, you want to travel. I would say that like up to recently, most of the countries would allow you to stay in the country for a maximum of 90 days. Uh, and then usually what you have to do is to do a visa run. So you would get out of the country. For example, if you're in Bali and then you, 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 you stay there for 90 days and then you do, you go to Singapore for a couple of days and then you come back for another visa. So a lot of, a lot of people do that. And that resets the 90 days. It does in, in, in most cases, but recently a lot of countries, because of what happened during the pandemic, uh, where everybody started to work remotely started to issue uh, digital nomad visas where you can stay up for up to a year. So I think the first one that started to do that was Barbados. Uh, and then recently, Portugal did the same. Spain just uh, launched a similar visa. And I think many more countries are going to follow that. That's really cool. We met through another guest on Top Floor, Pete Van Dorn, who was our guest in episode 61. Like you, he is both a travel tech guy and a surfer. How and why did you take up surfing? So I actually started by bodyboarding uh, in Europe, in France, when I was like 12. So bodyboarding, you just lay on your board. It's, it's actually you know, pretty easy. It's a great <laughs> way to get, get to know the, uh, the ocean and, 
and, and the wave. And then, yeah, after that, you just see all the surfers like you know, standing up and it's, it's a bit more gracious and yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's, it just, yeah, also looks better and looks more fun. And so I took up surfing, I think like 10 years after, because I didn't really live by the ocean until I moved to, I lived in Portugal um about like 15 years ago and then i really started to get into surfing when i moved to california and that's also where i met pete before outside you went from opening the silicon valley office for a european trip planning software company to then launching an app that allowed users to create and share interactive photo sequences mm-hmm what drove the jump from a sort of relatively stable position as a vice president of business development to becoming an app developer? Well, I wasn't the developer. I was doing biz dev for the app. I mean, me and my me and my friend was the my co-founder was the developer, and I was doing basically biz dev and trying to you know look for partners. But yeah, it's interesting. I mean, basically, you know, I was living I was living in San Francisco at the time, and when you're in San Francisco at, at that time, it was like you know. Uh, like to, uh, 20, uh, 2000, 2012, 2013, it was like such a start of fever. And you just like the, the, the people that you hang out with, they're just all entrepreneurs and they all have crazy ideas. And so you, I also get that fever and I just also wanted to get a taste of it. And also, to be honest, I was also a bit bored with my, uh, with my job because I had done that for like, you know, five years. And so I, I felt that, you know, I basically learned everything that could be learned. And there was not really, uh, you know, the, 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 the there was no really more, more to more to gain so it was the right time to make the switch and do you still have that startup fever <laughs> or has it passed yeah yeah no i mean no no actually i have plenty of other ideas and i wish i had more time to uh to do more uh, to do more side project but um yeah but i actually plenty of other ideas yeah i think i'll know I'll, I'll be an entrepreneur all my life and i probably um, i don't think i see myself working for uh, for uh, for a big company um anymore even small company i just uh yeah i just keep keep uh, keep trying out things i'm with you i talked in the introduction a little bit about what inspired you to create outsight but can you say more about what you were looking for and not finding that ultimately led to the mm-hmm. company so yeah so i started to have that nomadic lifestyle right so working from anywhere and started studying in the US, working from like, you know, towns like surf town, like Santa Cruz, because I like surfing. And then I also did, went to the, the, in the winter, went to Tahoe. Um, and then I also started to explore other countries like Mexico. And, and yeah, that was a great lifestyle, but the logistic of it, uh, you know, always finding the, the, the accommodation with good Wi-Fi, with a place to work uh, was, you know, really challenging. Um, I mean, there was Airbnb, but, you know, Airbnb consistency is not there. And then also, like, I was also basically, you know, mostly by myself and I couldn't really meet people with the same lifestyle. So I was also feeling lonely. And so those two things, like, you know, speci- like a specific experience, guest experience design for people that work remotely, plus the community was really what was missing. And that's, re- that's really where I got the idea of, like, you know, a, net- a network of places where you can stay, work and meet like-minded people. So I know you said you will always be an entrepreneur and you'll never go work for another company. But did you always know you wanted to do that? Like when you were a little boy, did you think one day I'll have my own company? Not at all. Not at all. Because I grew up in Belgium and it's definitely not a country for uh, for entrepreneurs. And I did business school and at business school, they, most of the people that at the time, I know it's changed a little bit, but at the time, entrepreneur, like being an entrepreneur, 
in Belgium was not seeing a school. It was seeing like a lot of hard work and not a, not a lot of money, not a lot of reward and just not fun. And so doing business school there would, le- would lead you to work for big companies like Accenture or big banks, which didn't really attract me. I just wanted to find a job where I would be able to travel, which I did. And then it's really when I got into, again, that's like being in San Francisco and then you see all those entrepreneurs just full of passion. You know, it's like, that's really what I think what drove me to that is to seeing those, those people just passionate about their work. And that's what like, you know, made me uh, jump into it. But so that was pretty late, pretty late, like uh, late twenties, I would say. So if it's not culturally as accepted in Belgium, did your parents freak out when you wanted to start your own business? Were they like, no, 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 you've got to have stability. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they kind of did. But yeah, they, they, at the end, they were supportive. Excellent. The concepts of leisure, workcation, digital nomading, they seem to have sort of reached critical mass now because companies are not just allowing people to work from home, but you can work from anywhere after the pandemic. You started outside, I guess, in 2015. Are you a mind reader or has this been quietly happening for a lot longer than most people are aware of? Yeah, yeah. It has... I mean, I mean that, that whole movement really started like, you know, obviously with the, with the, with the emergence of the internet. Uh, but I would say like it really started like around 20, 2010 and started actually in, in Thailand and, and, and Bali. People would just who you know would just work from there because they had the those two countries had really good uh, really good internet and it was very cheap. So people started that. But then I mean, I remember when we started in twenty fifteen, you could see like you know uh, people started to have that that, that lifestyle too in the in, in, in the US. Uh, I mean, I was having that lifestyle and I knew a few others. And then you could see like between. Every year between 2015 and, and, and even before the pandemic, it was just growing and growing and growing, you know, at a rapid pace. So like we actually, I remember before the pandemic, we were growing like pretty much the, uh, almost at the same, at the same pace. Like the market that, I mean, it was more a niche, but it was already pretty big at the time. Can you talk about the types of people that stay at Outsight? Is it all like 20 somethings? or Instagram influencers, like what's the demographic? What are the people like? <laughs> so yeah, we have 20 something. We have definitely Instagram influencers, but average age is actually 35 uh, because we have you know, a lot of late twenties. And we also have like, you know, we also have quite a few boomers that, you know, uh, the, the, the kids, the, the kids left school, uh, they had university or even like later. Uh, and they just want to, you know, explore the world and, and, and meet interesting people. So we have, we have, we have quite a few boomers and, and we love them because they bring a lot to the community. Uh, we also have people like, I would say, uh, a bit of <laughs> midlife crisis and, you know, like divorces or separation and they basically by themselves and they want to meet people. And it's, uh, we also have those as well, like, you know, in the, in the, in the forties and fifties. So we really have a bit of everything. Have you had any romances that came from people meeting at Outsight? I mean, sometimes, I mean, I, I, I said in my last video that outside is better than football uh, <laughs> because it's, <laughs> it's like real connections. Yeah. I mean, all the time, all the time. And we had, uh, I think we had like already two, two or three weddings and, you know, yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of people finding love for sure. Oh, that's really cool. So I know that you require your guests to become members. Mm-hmm. It's not very expensive. So I can't imagine it's a huge revenue stream, but maybe it is. But can you talk a little bit about why you require membership? First of all, we just didn't want to sell 
a location. We wanted to we wanted to basically sell a lifestyle, a nomadic lifestyle. So we wanted people to basically join. I mean, be, sell them access to that lifetime, to the, that network of location and and that community, right? And so we feel that the membership made a lot of sense, and that's one 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 reason. It, and it just works because it's just much much easier to sell a lifestyle. I just sell a location. If you sell a location, you compete with all the hotels and the Airbnbs, right? And then the second reason is we can actually vet members better. So we you know we we actually run background checks. We ask for references, and that makes them like you know it just more safe, and also for it just brings more more community. And I think it's also very, it's a way also to differentiate from all the other hospitality concept where you're going to stay with, you know, uh, random people outside. You kind of know that people all, all, all share the same, uh, the same values. And part of that has to do with the fact that they're working, right? Like it's not yeah. like a youth hostel where people are just partying all day or night or whatever the case may be. Yeah, two things like people are people are mainly working, so it's a professional, quiet environment. Obviously, you know, we, people have fun like uh, after working hours, but also there's no. We have strict strict guidelines regarding yeah, parties and stuff like that because you know we don't want to stay somewhere where there's loud music until like two a.m. If you had an eight a.m. call the next morning, yeah. And then the other the other thing is also extended stay, so we don't really people don't don't use us to stay like uh, one night or even like two 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 or three nights. Like people, I mean, members, they, they, they use us for like, you know, stay from one week to two, three months. So that's also, um, you know, very important. Got it. So you mentioned safety. Are there any other lessons around safety or legality that you have taken from watching other lodging startups that may rhyme with Schmear BNB? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's always like it's something you you, you you can try to do best, but it's always something you know something always bad can happen, and you just have to be not think about it, but be prepared, right? And so, yeah, we have you know we set up camera systems, we have electronic locks, and then, but really, like I think the most and the thing we do that is really the best is that again, that's membership because we know we have all the information of guests, you know, we have there, we also have references, so if there's a, is there one issue, we can call, you know, somebody. Uh, whether it's at a job or, or, or in the family. So that really brings safety. And it's just the fact that we're also having, you know, adding that membership price, which is like you said, it's, 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 it's cheap, but still, you know, that makes them more com- committed to the concept. And also I think more care more about the, 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 the properties and the community itself. And then uh, we also have community managers that like, you know, they're, they are, they are on site and they're always on, on call if, uh, if there's any issue. And also we have for every property we have a whatsapp group where people can like join and so that's also you know guests also feel a bit responsible so if there's an issue we, we basically really we, we first probably hear from the whatsapp group and sometimes even like you know resolve by itself through members are there services or offerings that you've tested and discarded because they didn't work or they weren't worth the trouble or the effort like can you talk a little bit about that testing process yeah i mean we did launch a few locations that didn't work out. I remember the first one. So we really, we really wanted to be in Costa Rica. I'm actually in Costa Rica right now. I think Costa Rica is an amazing country for nomads because uh, they have it's safe. They have good, you know, health system. They have social security. Obviously, it's beautiful, like a lot of nature. My sister's going there in two days. Okay, yeah. People speak English. I mean, it's, it used to be cheap, not not anymore. It's but yeah, because it's you know, it's it, people. It's funny because people. Always complain. Oh, Costa Rica is so expensive, but it's expensive because things work there. You know, it's, it's actually <laughs> developed country. It's, 
And um, so, yeah, so we really wanted to be in Costa Rica. And so we found a location that was very nice, like, you know, close to a, a nice beach, uh, but it was really too remote. Um, so there was nothing, you know, there was not really a town. It was, you know, there was just one restaurant. And so we, we had some guests, you know, staying there and they liked it, but it was, it was not a success, you know? So that's something like, you know, that's something that didn't work. Um, that, 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 that I remember. And then we also launched a couple of locations that were too expensive, uh, where the price we had to charge for guests were too expensive. That also didn't work. Interesting. And what, what made it too expensive? Like you had to get closer to the price of a hotel in order to make it work. Yeah. So, and we still like, you know, it's interesting because, okay, like all offering, so you get your private, you get your private room, and most of the time in private bathrooms. And what you share is, you know, the the the, the workspace and the common kitchen, right? And uh, it looks like, I mean, the price per night that people are willing to pay for that kind of experience is the max would be probably between hundred fifty and two hundred. But more than that, it's it just that that just that that doesn't work because then they would or, or they would would prefer to stay somewhere else, or maybe even in in another location than pay, paying that price. Understood. We like to make sure that our listeners come away from each and every episode of Top Floor with some practical, tangible things that they can either try in their businesses or in their personal lives. So. This question is a little bit wordy because I'm going to try to explain what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. But I can imagine in 2015 when you started the company that you were working remote and you were in maybe a remote work bubble. Like all the people around you were able to do it, but maybe it hadn't spread across the country like it has now. So you were really working on solving a problem that you had and maybe some of your friends had versus what we now can see as like a huge emerging trend in work from anywhere, work from home, blah, blah. I understand that it makes sense to solve your own problems when you're working on a business concept for sure. But I'm... I'm curious about the I, how you knew or what steps you took to evaluate the addressable market for like this sort of upscale. It's basically like a work focused hostel for grownups, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a good way. It's a good way to put it. Yeah, mm-hmm. like how would you recommend entrepreneurs test their concepts, or should they? Should should they just ready, fire, aim, and go for it. No, they, they should try to test it uh, in the leanest way possible. And in our case, what we did, I mean, the thing is, first, like, we started with one property, right? So you always, like, and when you do software, you start with a prototype, and, you know, you just test and ask people if they like it, run surveys and stuff like that. So what we did is we launched one property. And even before launching the property, what what actually what we did is we put, uh, and I'm not too proud of, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny, but I don't know if I would do it again today, but, we put a fake listing uh, on Airbnb describing the house and the concept, and to see if there was demand. And we would get requests from people to say, and then, and then, okay, to see if people were booking. Yeah, yeah, Got that it. was an expensive way to do it. Then, and people actually request to book, and some some were actually not happy that they couldn't be booked right, right away. But then we decided to take the financial risk of putting a deposit and put a bit of money 
in that property to turn it into a into a product, right? Uh, and so that's 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 basically that's um, that's the way we do it. And I think there's a book called The Lean Startup. It's an old book now, but that explains that very well. Um, you know how to test how to test your ideas. So yeah, that's what I would say. You have traveled a ton, obviously. I think you speak five or six languages. So I can imagine that at this point, you're pretty comfortable when you arrive in a new city or new destination. What kind of advice would you give a less experienced traveler about how to feel comfortable somewhere new? Um, I mean, depends on the uh, depends on the experience, right? Because I guess the easiest is, but I, I personally don't like it, but is to stay in, in in you know international international hotel chains, right? So you know what you're gonna get. You, you get that for you. You get that anywhere, but I mean, it's not really the way I like to travel, and I like to try to you know and stay with locals and stuff like that. Um, so for me, just, I mean, the, the best advice is just preparation, just prepare, like get as many, as much information as you can ask people that have been in the country, give them, give them to give them tips, like, you know, local, local people they trust and that you can reach out for, to have a more local experience. So that's, that's really that. Cause I'm still pretty amazed by, you know, some people are not, are like so unprepared when they go to a new countries and also they don't know anything about the country they go and just like also just have just simply like reading a, a travel guide about the country uh that's something everybody should do but still a lot of people don't do it they just go because they heard oh yeah Santa Teresa and Costa Rica it's cool I'm, I'm just gonna go straight there and they don't know anything about it just that it's cool I mean, I have to tell you that I am sometimes guilty of that. My husband is the researcher and planner of our traveling duo. And so if he doesn't do it, it doesn't get done. I'm not doing a ton of research yeah, because, before I, mean, I guess. Especially, that's a little bit what the, the issue with travel today, right? It's not so much an adventure as before because everything you can find everything on the internet. So it just takes a bit of planning and research and and then you can be very prepared. What are a couple of the dumbest mistakes besides not reading anything about the country before they get there that you have seen travelers make? Yeah, I mean, that and also not actually not learning at least a few words of the language, just like a simple like, please or thank you or hi, you know, I think that that comes a long, a long way and, you know, locals can, locals can appreciate that. And also, yeah, another dumbest mistake like many people do is not, not to take a travel insurance. Oh, really? That's interesting. What makes you say that? Because if something happens in a foreign country, I mean, usually <laughs> national interest is not going to cover you. So you could, you could pay a lot of money. And there's a simple, a simple travel insurance and there's a lot of options now. It's just like, I don't know, like, you know, a hundred bucks for a two weeks trip. It's, you know, it covers like up to a hundred thousand in, 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 uh, in hospital expenses. So yeah. I mean, sometimes I, I even like forget because I travel so much, but yeah, it's something like you should always do. Well, we have reached the fortune-telling portion of our show. So now's the time when we predict the future and wave our magic wands a little bit. What is a prediction you have for the future of non-hotel lodging? So that's interesting because non-hotel lodging is still new. So it's still a lot of you know startups like us. Uh, and I would say the world for startups... Uh, like us, I changed a little bit in the in the last um, few months, uh, mainly because of the the stock market and the upcoming recession. So, a lot of startups that were used to you know burn a lot of money to grow you know fast at all costs. Um, well, I mean that that era is it's kind of over. I mean, 
I don't know for how long though it's probably gonna you know get back again but for now it's all about like efficiency and being like responsible you know and being lean <laughs> making revenue <laughs> yeah making real revenues you know like net revenue not not gross revenues so mm-hmm. there, there's that and I also think now it's also and and you can see like Airbnb is really into, is really into that it's really into um, I mean now that the trend is extended stays right um, so that's also I think um the future just like more extended stays and more also there's like more more like because before i think the a lot of the lodging um the lodging companies they were just focusing on aquark supply and, and putting back the supply on on all the otas and i think now like what's what's more important because everybody can do that right and i think now it's it's more like about like building brands and yeah building brands building community uh, and I think that's the, 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 the players that do that, they'd be rewarded. If you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about the way people work, what would it be? Probably less physical meetings. <laughs> <laughs> less meetings? Less, less meetings in general. Yeah. Understood. What about what's next for you and what's next for your company? Well, right now we need to set goals for 2023. So we've been growing a lot. The last two years, obviously COVID, well, COVID was really bad for us in 2020, but then 2021, we rebounded and 2022 has been basically our best year ever. Uh, That being said, you know, when you go fast like this, you know, that comes with uh, a few, uh, a few growing pains. And so next year we, yeah, we're still going to set the, set some goals. We haven't done that. Uh, but we're probably going to grow less fast and yeah, be more efficient and be more like consolidate the business a, 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 a little bit more. Um, we're not going to um, add like, uh, you know, 30 new countries. I think we're going to consolidate and add properties where we already have properties because we already have a vast network. So that's, that's, that's maybe not the most exciting, but I think that's the right thing to do for us. What do you think is your most popular destination for your members? Portugal, for sure. Portugal is a uh, big boom. So yeah, Lisbon, even like, I remember Lisbon in December and January, we used to be at like, before pandemic, like 30% occupancy. And now we are at 80% occupancy. Oh, I wonder if that has to do with people getting the um, golden visas and, you know, being able to invest a certain amount and then you get residency. I think that's right. Yeah, but that's, that's kind of like, that's a really, uh, <laughs> that's a really wealthy demographic. Um, that's not really, we have a few people like that, but it's, yeah, it's mostly the, mostly that Portugal, um, has done a really good job in marketing itself as like, you know, uh, a really cool country with a a good quality of life and and perfect for remote workers. And that's basically Lisbon is became a, a a digital nomad hub. And so, you know, a lot of people wanted to be there to, to have that lifestyle. And that's, that's, I think that's the main reason. Excellent. Okay, folks, before we tell Emmanuel goodbye, we are going to head down to the loading dock where all of the best stories get told. Going down. So what is a story you would only tell me on the loading dock? Well, it's kind of like we got a recently actually, what two stories, like one kind of, I mean, it's not bad, but it was, yeah, we never had that. So we had a guest that like sent us, like sent me actually a personal email complaining about her experience in, in, uh, in outside San Diego in Encinitas, which is a big house, like a block away from, uh, from, from the beach, like in a, a location that probably one of the most popular locations with ocean view 
And she wanted a, re- a refund because she thought the house was, was haunted by, by ghosts. Are you serious? And, <laughs> yes, yes. What made her think it was haunted? What happened? I don't know. She, she said she was like hearing weird, weird, weird noises in, in the house. And that house always has people. That house is always occupied. So that was interesting. And was uh, that the first, first time somebody suggested yeah, yeah. that it was haunted? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I lived in that house myself, so, you know. <laughs> nobody, yeah. nobody haunted you. She must be not living right. Somebody's haunting her. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and another one, that's a good one. So we opened recently a location in, in Marrakesh. And we got, uh, yeah, one month after we opened, we got that amazing review. It's still the best review we, we, we ever got, where somebody actually was so pleased by the experience that she wrote a full, a full poem a full poem about the experience. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, Emmanuel, thank you so much for being here. I know our listeners got some great business tips and some great ideas for where they can go work on the road. And I really appreciate you riding up to the top floor. Thank you, Susan. Thanks a lot for having me. Thanks so much for listening. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash seven zero. Top Floor is produced by John Albano, who also composed and performed our elevated elevator music with vocals by Cameron Albano. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues after you leave us a five-star review. You can subscribe to Top Floor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. Thanks for listening to the Top Floor Podcast at www.topfloorpodcast.com. Have a hospitality marketing question? Reach us at 850-404-9630 to be featured in a future episode. 